following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. That's when my perspective began to change. It took me living in 40 feet and nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, no office to go into, no door to close. Um, doing our entire lives together for a whole year, uh, again, with three kids under five. That's when I began to realize how off I was, how my priorities were totally out of whack, how everything seemed more important than the most important thing, which was Rachel and the kids. I'm very open about how bad I was. One of my buddies read the book and he's like, bro, you really beat yourself up. I feel like someone needs to come in here and and talk about you're not that bad, but I was that bad. This episode of Two Kids and a Career is brought to you by Elemental Aesthetics. You can be guaranteed that your experience is going to be unique and customized to your specific needs. See how they can help you focus on natural beauty enhancements by visiting ElementalAesthetics.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. I am so super excited about this week's guest returning for a second time. I just, I can't stop thinking about you, Brandon. I can't stop thinking about you. I can't stop thinking about your family. Uh, Welcoming back Brandon Janice to the podcast. How are you doing? Jill, I'm doing great. And that's it's an honor that you would welcome me back. Not everyone oh. me back. So the fact that I've gotten two times to be with you is so sweet. And um, I appreciate you um, wanting to continue to allow us to share our story and the story of Rachel. So thank you for having me. Oh, I was just hopeful that you weren't too, too busy and I, that you would say, yes, I'll come back. Never and also, oh, thanks. Or that my... Um, hysterical crying um, in our last episode. And the it, it was so funny because I got some feedback from people that just absolutely loved that episode. And I had a friend of mine who she was just trying to, to poke fun at me, but she's like, Jill, you got to get it together, girl. <laughs> I said, no, I couldn't. There was no way. Um, let's kind of Talk about that a little bit for the listener that has maybe not had a chance to listen to that episode. I will have it linked in the show notes. But the reason why I have you back is to talk about what has transpired in between the passing of Rachel and where we are now. But I do want to give, I want to just give some honor to Rachel and talk a little bit about her. Can you, you know, I, I know it's hard to say briefly summarize, but talk a little bit about Rachel and um, what happened to her. Yeah. So um, first, Rachel was the the best human being I've ever gotten to know in my entire life. And um, I, um, I fell in love with her and chased her for 10 years and eventually talked her into marrying me. And um, we were married um, for just under 10 years before uh, cancer took her life. We have three precious children, um, Hadley, Cooper, and Macklin. And, um, and got to, man, I got to spend um, some incredible years with her. She spent her, you know, the rest of her life with me. I did not get to spend the rest of my life with her, but um, cancer, you know, got her and, and, and took, took over her body uh, and eventually led to her passing on March 1st of 2020. 
uh, leaving me a, a single dad to, to three. Um, but Rachel, uh, as you know, Jill, in, in our past discussion, she prepared us so well for um, for what was next. She was the most selfless human being, um, again, I've ever had the, had the privilege to be around. And so everything that she did and, you know, her, her final few months, because we were told that she wasn't going to get better. And um, we believed that God could do some incredible things and we continued to pray for a miracle. But medically speaking, there was nothing they could do. Um, Rachel turned to just making sure that we would be okay. And um, gosh, I mean, uh, I, I've, I've been told many times that, you know, well, after a few months, people will go back to their lives or after a year, you know, they'll forget about that or after, you know, whatever, whatever that timetable may be that, um, that you won't feel people anymore. And we just had my daughter's um, baptism yesterday and you would not believe the army of people that showed up and continue to show up in our lives um, because they told Rachel they would. And um, it's just a beautiful thing. We are so loved. We are so taken care of. Um, I hate that I'm doing life without her, but um, she prepared us uh, as well as she could for for the season of, of life with, with no mommy and no wife. Yeah, that <laughs> is what still gets me. Um, I want to back up and say that, you know, it was a quick diagnosis as far as from when she was diagnosed and when she passed because she was diagnosed on April 17th, 2018. And like you said, she passed on March 1st, 2020. And gosh, how, oh, I can't even imagine like how much you guys had to accomplish in such a short time. Yeah, that's so, that's so true. And and we were actually given a clean bill of health about a year in, you know, she, mm. she had breast cancer and, and kicked it. And, um, you know, we were told like, it is gone. It is, it is not coming back. Now, Rachel never, never felt that she felt that it would, would always come back. For some reason, Rachel felt that that was, that was her purpose was to be here. Um, and, and the cancer would eventually take her life. And so, uh, when it did come back in, in August of 2019, um, it came back in her spine um, and at that point, when it metastasized like that, there's there's no getting rid of it. You can't remove spine, right? You can't remove yeah. bone. And so um, we knew we were in for for um, a long haul. We did not expect it to be that quick, uh, but it it you know gotten into her bones and then eventually her spinal fluid and then her brain. And it was um, you know it was pretty quick after that. Um, so we knew you know we knew a few months before um, she passed that you know, we had to, we had to live the last few months the best we could. And, you know, a lot of people will, you, you have a few different ways you can choose to do that. And and Rachel chose to, to make sure everybody was, was taken care of, to make sure she was sharing um, the good news and, and, and what the Lord had done in her life and continues to do in her life and um, never complained, um, never, never had the woe is me attitude. Um, it was a, a, a beautiful thing to watch as hard as it was. It was so beautiful the way she was able to um, share so much good and so much joy and such a hard, uh, a hard time. But didn't you say too that before this diagnosis that Rachel was just a, a lover of life? Like she mm-hmm. did not take any day for granted. No, you're exactly right. That's what drew me to her to begin with. Like, 
I remember when I when I first met her, my, my parents were like, what is it about her? I'm like, she just would make life so much more fun. And um, that sounds shallow, but that's that matters, Mm-mm. right? When, when you have so many years to live your life, you want to you it want you want it to be fun. And Rachel made every single day more fun, um, and um, that's how she lived. That's how she loved. I mean, she she never met a stranger. Um, she she did all she could to accept people right where they were. Never wanted to change you. Never wanted to make you better. Um, she loved you where you loved you where you were and walked alongside you and um, was was just a constant encourager. She was a noticer. She just showed up and and noticed when when people needed help. Um, didn't ask for permission. She just um, she just did and um, and you know taught us along the way how to do the same thing. And, uh, you know, I fall short on a daily basis, but I got to, to learn from the, the best again that, that I know to, to, um, to do it. And that's always like my biggest gripe about myself, like living each day to its fullest. And um, we're going to get into that because you have some, some tips and tricks now, but I want to go back to something that you were talking about with Rachel preparing all of you. So I was, before this interview, I was talking to some coworkers about who I was interviewing and our our first interview and some of the things that you had told me. And as I was telling them, their eyes were welling up and I said, that's exactly what happened to me. And one of the examples that I'll give is that you, and you, and we didn't specifically talk about this on the last episode, but you did this on social media and you said that one of the things that you and Rachel talked about, you, you said schedule a date night with your spouse and have the death talk. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I know that's not sexy and not fun, but here's why. And you explained that Rachel said to you, I'm paraphrasing so you can chime in, but like she wanted you to keep living your life after her and she wanted you to find someone that made you happy and she wanted you to find someone that would also be there for the kids. And like those are tough conversations, but to be prepared, like none of us want to do that. But gosh, it would suck to not know and to just be going through life and think, oh my gosh, what would they want me to do? So yes, the conversations are hard, but from your experience, do you feel this sense of calm because of those conversations? Absolutely. Um, it's it's funny. I know we, this is not a, a book promo, but I actually just wrote a book, as, as you know. And Yeah, we're going to talk about it. I did not share publicly ever was um, about the things that were said in our last date. I think I shared that we had a last date. We were in the hospital and Rachel said, you know, all I want is a big old tub of movie theater theater popcorn and a a large Coke, right? That's what, that's all she wanted for our last date. And there was very few times where it was just she and I in the room because so many people wanted to come see Rachel and visit Rachel. And so we did, we, we had, um, a couple hours where it became our last date. And I didn't know that she had planned this. I didn't know to this day. I don't know when she, when she planned it and when she wrote these things down, but she had eight things that she wanted from me um, written down in her phone. And at this point she wasn't able to, to really keep um, her thoughts straight. Um, She wasn't able to talk a ton. She was super tired, but um, 
she had me read those eight things to her. And the very first one was, you know, I want you to find love again. Um, and, and, and true Rachel way, uh, or true Rachel form. She's, you know, I'm actually reading it right now. She said, not today or in two weeks, that would be super weird. And everyone would about you behind your back. But sooner than later, I want you to find love again. This is so important to me. I want you to find someone that will love you like I do. I want you to find someone that will love the kids like I do. I want you to find someone that will root you on and all your crazy ideas. At the same time, I want her to understand that just because I'm gone, it doesn't mean you stop loving me. I want mm -hmm. her to know that you'll always love me, but that she doesn't have to compare. She doesn't have to compare with me. I'm not coming back to take you away from her and I'll be her biggest fan from up there. But I also want her to know that if she screws this up, if she messes with your heart or my babies, she will feel my wrath. And believe me, <laughs> she doesn't want that. So that was uh, that was one of the things that um, one of my eight things. And um, you know, I, I obviously Jill would have eventually moved on, um, permission or not, because life is short, and I have you know so many years left to live. And um, I want a partner. I want to do life with somebody. Um, but giving your person that freedom um, and then making it known to all the other people too, the people that are in our, in our village, in our tribe, um, knowing that, man, that's really what Rachel wanted, right? Mm -hmm. It made the, those times easier when I, when I do date or when I do find someone that um, it's honoring Rachel as much as it is, you know, myself and the kids. And so um, very important conversation. It, it's, I don't know, Jill, that I would have been in that state to say that at that point. Right. Um, and it shows a lot more about her as a person. I know a lot of people would have a hard time having that conversation. But man, if you really love your person, um, I can't imagine you wanting them to be lonely and single and doing life alone um, forever. And so right. um, getting that getting that permission was um, meant more than 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 anyone could ever know. Yeah, it's those tough conversations. And the thing that hit me when you were reading that too is what a great way though to talk about Rachel with a, a future partner, like mm. joking around, you know, and explaining how she is. And, and you know, I just, that's another great way. I, I can't imagine it would be easy at any time. But wow, that makes it, like you said, it's so much easier to explain and to talk to people about. Um, we are going to transition into the book. And uh, when I saw that you were doing this, I was like, yes, so yes, yes, yes. I, I just love this. It's called Just Do. And it is stories about discovering purpose, gaining perspectives, and being present. And I'm like, dang, this is exactly what I need in my life. This is this is what everyone needs in their life. And I know it's because I follow you on social media and I see what you put out there. Like the fact that you show up for your kids every day, but you feel the same as a lot of us where despite what kind of situation we're in, we feel like we fail or we feel like we don't give enough. And I look at you and I'm like, 
dang, he is a single dad. His kids lost their mom. He lost his wife, his partner. And what I get from you is that don't think about it that way. Don't look at me as a quote unquote charity case. Like, yeah, you are in a situation where it is tough, but you're like, listen, stop feeling sorry for yourself and do something and be there and you will fail and it's okay, but you got to keep showing up. And that's what I am just so so humbled by and like, just keep going. And I see what you're doing. And I, I just want to talk about that. I want to talk about, was this something, the book that when Rachel was going through her cancer, it came to mind afterwards, like where did it transpire? Yeah, that's a great question. And thank you for, for saying the things you, you did. Um, so actually, it was one of her eight things. So you're going to get me to read the whole book. But one of her eight things on um, number six, um, again, I've never shared this publicly, but number six um, says, I want you to finish your book. You've been talking about it for way too long. People are tired of hearing about it and probably don't <laughs> even believe you'll do it anymore. Stop talking about it, babe. Stop thinking about it. It's getting old. Please do me a favor and just do. And um, so I had been, you know, I don't know if we talked about this, but um, I had been a very absent spouse and father um, for the first five years of my kid's life. I was on the road a lot um, speaking and doing different events and um, thought I was doing what I was supposed to do by being a provider. Um, I thought that's what my role was. And um, that's not what Rachel wanted. And she wanted um, someone to do life with and parent with and and have a spouse with her. Um, And so she came up with this bright idea to move into a motorhome together and travel with me everywhere I went, um, which I thought was an asinine idea at the time. (laughs) three kids under five years old. Um, but she wasn't going to take no for an answer. Honestly, I wrote about it, but I remember the call. Like, she's like, we're going to come with you. I'm like, you mean like everywhere? And she's like, yeah, I mean like everywhere. And so, um, it took, that's when my perspective began to change. It took me living in 40 feet and nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, no office to go into, no door to close, um, doing our entire lives together for a whole year. Uh, again, with three kids under five, um, that's when I began to realize how off I was, how my priorities were were totally out of whack, how everything seemed more important than the most important thing, which was Rachel and the kids. And um, I, um, I'm very open about how, how, how bad I was. One of my buddies read the book and he's like, bro, you really beat yourself up. I feel like someone needs to come in here and, and talk about you're not that bad, but I was that bad. And, um, and it took Rachel um, realizing, look, this isn't the life I signed up for. We're going to come do it with you. And so that's when I started to write, Jill. I started to write little lessons that I learned from the road that year um, by simply listening, by watching my children, by by listening to some of the things Rachel would say and the way she'd communicate. And um, it, it was just a beautiful year. I, I wish I could I wish I could, um, I would do it again right now if I could. Um, but I, that year was by far the best year of our lives. It was right before Rachel got diagnosed. So we had no idea this was going to happen. If you think God didn't have something to do with that, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, this was all, you know, part of his perfect plan. And it, 
it made me a, a better husband. It made me a better, um, a better dad. It made me a better friend. It made me a better coworker. Um, it just made me better because my priorities completely flipped. Um, and I began to keep the main people, the main people in the story. And so I wrote a bunch from the road that year. I had planned on putting this book out just about that year. Uh, and then Rachel got sick. And so I stopped, I stopped, you know, that process and, um, began to write through her, you know, our journey, our cancer journey, as, as you could see, if you follow, if you follow me, um, and then the question was, how do I tie these things together? Cause I can't put a book out about the RV years without, where we are today. I just couldn't figure out how to do that. It seemed disingenuine. Um, and then I didn't want to put a book out about just the sick journey because I think there's so much joy that would have been missed out. And, um, I wanted to tie them together. So, um, we talked offline, but I, I met with, with Bob golf, who some people may know, I uh, went to a writer's retreat with him and, and he kind of helped me put it together. He said, man, it just makes sense. And this is how we're going to do it. And um, so that was kind of an aha moment around a campfire with, with Bob uh, helping me put a beginning, middle and end on this thing. And um, and so that's what I did. I, I um, met with a buddy and we decided we were going to do it because I don't like logistics. I don't like a lot of the stuff that comes into um, getting a book done. There's a lot. Like the admin stuff. Yeah, there's so many things. And um, he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do all the stuff you don't want to do. I just want you to write. And mm. we're going to hit a Christmas deadline so people can have it by Christmas. So so we have 45 days. We got to go get it done. And so for 45 days, minus the weekends, from um, 7 a.m. when the kids got on the bus to 2.52 when they get off the bus, I wrote. And it was the most enjoyable 45 days. I had so much fun. And I remember getting to that last chapter. I knew it was going to be the last chapter. Uh, my time was running up and, uh, and I, I, I finished it and I was so sad, Jill. I'm like, what am I going to do now? This is so much fun and healing. And, um, it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful time for me. Um, and it's, and it's, and it happened and we got it done in 45 days and, um, just thrilled about the, the entire process. But that was one of the things Rachel made me promise that I'd get it done. And so I don't know that anyone will read it, Jill, that I did not promise her that people would read it, but I promised <laughs> her I'd get it done and, and myself and the kids have a book and they're, they're as thrilled as I am about it. Before we continue this week's conversation, I want to talk to you about Elemental Aesthetics, one of the sponsors of the podcast. And I just want to talk about the importance of taking care of you, because I know that when I'm not taking care of myself, then it affects others, especially my kiddos and my husband. And there are different ways that you can take care of yourself, whether that's working out, whether that's the way you eat, whether that's having a massage every month. And at Elemental Aesthetics, they can help you with all of those things, whatever it is to help you be at your best. They offer things like massage, facial. They offer things like IV treatments for vitamins, just all kinds of really cool things. And the infrared sauna and the salt room Oh my gosh, huge difference makers when it comes to your wellness. For me, that salt room therapy really helps with my eczema. And so when I find that maybe I've eaten too much gluten or I'm super stressed out, my eczema flares up and it's ugh. 
But I go into that salt room and clears it right up. And so I encourage you to keep you in mind and it's okay to take care of you. For more information, go to elementalesthetics.com. When you make an appointment, mention me and you'll get a free little swag bag, elementalesthetics.com. All right, back to this week's conversation. Well, you are going to have multiple readers, myself included in that. So don't you worry about that. Uh, I'm going to go back to Bob Goff. So he is so big in the Christian world. And how the heck did you get that meeting? Because that's huge. Yeah. So actually, he he holds um, writers retreats um, in his California. And on a whim, it was November of 21. Yeah, November of 21. Um, a couple of weeks before it was going to happen, I just decided I had to do it because I, I was kind of, I was just stuck. I had the, the RV season. I had the sick season. I had even the death season and some of where I am today. Um, and I just couldn't figure out if there was something there, if I was wasting my time, I, you know, I just needed to go um go see. And so it was, I, I promise you, it wasn't even anything from the, the retreat. It wasn't, it wasn't anything he said from stage or, you know, the writing things we talk about. It was sitting around a campfire with him and I explained my story. And um, he said, man, he said, the best part is like, I was talking about the RV season. And he said, you have the middle of your book and most mm-hmm. people struggle with the middle, but you've already written the middle. The middle words are already there we got a book it, Right. And, um, and so I left that, that day knowing, okay, I've got it, you know? And again, I didn't jump right into writing when I got back because life happens. Right. Right. Um, Three kids. And, and logistics. <laughs> like I did, do I go traditional publishing? Do I go self-publishing? What, what do I want to do there? Um, and so all these logistic things that I, I hate, and that's what I think a lot where I, a lot of authors don't get books out. Why a lot of storytellers don't tell their story because there's a lot of headaches that come with doing that, right? Not traditional publishers don't want everybody, right? And traditional publishers may want to edit it the way they want it to be edited, right? Uh, self-publishing is hard. Self-publishing is expensive. There's a lot of things that go along with that. So um, that being said, having you know this this business partner come aside me, come beside me and say, "Hey, I'll handle all the stuff. You just write. Let's get this done." And um, and it was just perfect timing. I had, I had exited a business. Um, I did, for the first time in my life, I didn't really even have a job. The kids were back in school. And I had this time where I'm like, okay, I have a moment where I can do mm-hmm. it. Go do it. And a lot of the words were already there, Jill, as you know, like through my social posts and things like that, I would pull that and expand on it and write a, write a chapter, right? Um, and so the words were there. I just had to make them a book. And, um, and, and that's what we've done. It's... One of those reminders that it's okay to ask for help, and that is in all areas of life. And And I feel you on the whole logistics side of things. There's a million different ideas that I have, and I'm like, man, I, I don't know how to do this. I don't know this. And, and then I hate doing research, so I'm like, I don't want to yeah. research how to do this. But sometimes when something is put in front of you, that is like, hello, help is here. Take it. You got to just do it. And, and that's with everything. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I had a hard time. Um, I had a hard time accepting help. Again, another thing Rachel wrote in her eight things was like, you have got to accept help. 
you have got to let people in because I had such a hard time with that. Um, I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. I didn't want people to think I needed a casserole. By the way, I don't like casseroles. (laughs) Um, But uh, but I didn't want people to, to feel sorry for us, I think was the thing. Like I knew I could do it, but you know what? I can't, like, there's no way I could do it without my village and my people. And, um, and I'm just so grateful again, that they continue to show up, but it took a lot I don't know if it's pride, Jill. I don't know what it was, um, but it took a lot for me to allow people in. And I'm glad Rachel again said, no, you, you're not good enough at this, at life, to not need help. You need help. And yeah. um, that was another reminder that um, she was right. And I do. And I always will need help. Uh, we all do. Totally. Always. Um, you know, when you said the the thing about being in the RV and if you didn't think that that was a God thing, then yeah. Well, like I, I wanted to yell that out when you were talking as yeah. like, Oh my gosh, God, what, you know exactly what you're doing. Um, I'm trying to channel the joy that you have for life and your kids and what you are doing now. Um, and, and I'm bringing that up because I, I do want to, kind of laugh a little bit because when, <laughs> when I saw this, I immediately thought of my husband. So here's what's so fun about your book with Just You. You are telling these stories, these stories that relate so well. And the puke. Oh my gosh. Let me just, <laughs> I'm going to read this part. You say, if I see a puke or even here, puke, I puke. No question about it. And there is simply no way to avoid it. I wish I wasn't like this. I hate that puke is my biggest fear in life. Most of you all probably fear public speaking or death, but not me. I fear puke. This causes a huge problem when the kids are sick, sick because I care about them so much and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to care for them until puke happens. And then you say, man, I'm glad God made mom- mommies, not just for times of puke, but in all the other times too. That being said, when puke happens, I do find myself being extra thankful to the big guy for making mommies the way he did. I, I laugh because I remember one time our oldest, one at one point, oh, I don't know, she's maybe a two or so. She, in the middle of the night, she's crying. I went and got her and she... Like I knew she did something, but I didn't know really what it was. I thought maybe she like spit up a little bit on me. And then we go in the bathroom and she's crying and she pukes all over me. And I grab my husband and (laughs) and like I think she had green beans or whatever. And he comes in. I'm like, I need your help. She's I think she has a stomach flu. She's puking all over. And he's in there gagging. And he's like, I can't do this. I go, I have freaking puke all over me and you're gag and we like can laugh about it now but at the time it was not funny as I'm the one that always gets puked on and he's doing the I'm like you're not even doing anything so thank you for sharing that yes there is a special uh thing for mommies and the way God made us but um it's those things. It's those things that we can relate to in this book that I absolutely love. Yeah, you're so right. And and again, this this goes back to, um, you know, being a noticer. Like, um, you know, like you said, you and your husband can laugh about that today. But <laughs> um, but he also knows next time puke happens, you're going to step up. You know, you're yeah. going to do it and you're going to handle it. And um, I think it's important for us to to make sure we notice what we have while we have it. 
Um, I don't know that I was a noticer until it was too late, right? And um, I noticed all the things Rachel did and all the things I took for granted um, while she was here because then I had to do them all. And um, everything from just the daily chores, dishes, laundry. Laundry never stops. I had no idea. I had no idea. It's the worst. (laughs) Uh, Grocery shopping, all, all the things that she did. And I never noticed. I knew they got done but I didn't notice how much time all these things took. And yet she was still able to operate and do all the other things that life threw her way. Um, I, so I challenge all of y'all um, to just notice, man, look at your person, look at your people and see all that they do that you take for granted on a daily basis and just thank them and notice the things. Because when you don't have them anymore, I promise you're going to notice it and you're going to miss all the little things. And so um, I, I, whether it's puke, um, a couple, couple weeks after Rachel passed, there's, I have a chapter in the book about head lice, um, mm. because the kids got lice and COVID had just hit. And so no one wanted to see them. And so we have lice everywhere in our house. And it was the most and terrible experience um, as, a, as a father trying to figure out what to do because I had no idea because Rachel did lice. I don't do lice. Rachel did right. puke. I don't do puke. Rachel did lunches. I don't do lunch. Right. And so all these things that, ha- you know, that happen that I took for granted. And so I hope out of this book, people realize, man, I've got it. I've got it pretty dang good. And I need to be better at being grateful for all the things that I'm not good at that I don't do and puke being one of those things. And the thing is, I want to go to grace because I think sometimes for me, and this is just my personality, is I listen to you and I read this book and I'm like, I've got to change everything about me and I've got to read all these self-help books and I have to journal and I have to do that and I have to spend more time with my Bible. And what I'm learning is it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like start giving yourself grace for the things that, you know, you do accomplish, or maybe you didn't do this one thing, but like you said, you noticed. And um, in that particular chapter that I just read from with the puke, here's what you do at the end of the chapters. You do the just do challenge, which Mm. we all need this. And you on that particular chapter with the challenge, you said time matters, all time matters. What small changes can you make in your schedule today to be there more? Not next week, not next month, not next quarter. Today, I don't know about you, but I've been guilty of playing busy more than my fair share of times. And I wanted to stop there because I just was reading um, a devotional about being busy and being hurried. And It is very easy to be very, very busy with all the things. And um, you also mentioned in that challenge, things like going through social media and YouTube and going down all these different rabbit holes. And sometimes you just got to stop and you just got to look. And that's the reminder I think we all need. Like, it's okay if you're not doing all the things. Nobody can do all the things. But when you stop and you read a book like Brandon's and you do that thing that day, you start to realize how it feels and then you just try to do better and you just keep going. That's it. This isn't about doing it perfectly. 
this isn't a, none of us ever will. That's not what this is about. Um, but it's amazing what happens when you put the phone down and you spend 10 minutes with the kid who's asking you to play, um, throw the ball, shoot the hoop, whatever it may be. 10 minutes to a kid is an eternity. Yeah. You know, the call can wait, the webinar can wait, the, the podcast can wait. Like life has to happen. You have to get your work done. I totally understand that, but, um, I'll never regret putting it down, listening to them. You know, one of the things that Rachel always said was listen with your whole face, not the top of your head, right? When you're scrolling through your phone, listen with your whole face. So when your kids are talking to you or your your spouse is talking to you, your coworkers talking to you, listen to them with your whole face. There's a big difference than, than, than not, not right. Just looking down at your phone or your computer, whatever it may be. And I'm seeing the top of your head. And so I've kind of put that practice into place that when I'm talking to anyone, my phone is down because it's so easy to to kind of listen and kind of be there. Um, and and so just these little practices that, that I put into place and I fail daily. Please understand. I fail daily, but I also ask for grace and I ask for yeah. forgiveness and I ask for, you know, in, anytime I lose my patience with my kids, which happens more than it should, um, you know, there's there's a conversation about it. Hey, you know, that, that that shouldn't happen. And I'm really sorry. Please, you know, please understand where I was coming from and please forgive me, whatever it may be. Um, and it's it's amazing how that translates to them and how they then start to do that the same way. Cause our kids are going to watch us. Our spouse is going to watch us. Our friends are going to watch us and they're going to do, especially our children, they're going to do what we do, good, bad, and ugly. And they're going to treat people the way we treat people, good, bad, and ugly. And so we are a constant reminder to them of how to love and how to listen and how to show up or not how to love, how to listen or how to not show up. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I just my I am my kid's biggest example on a daily basis, and I don't want to screw this up, Jill. No, no, I feel you. Uh, before we wrap up, I do want to ask about the kids and how they're doing. Um, it's got to be tough. I know that, especially on Macklin, you you talked about how his relationship with Rachel. It's not that there's a difference between his sisters, but you described it that, I mean, he was kind of like her bed buddy when she was sick. And so can you talk to me about each of the kids and how they're doing and anything you want? I mean, tell me about them. I, I, I want, I feel like I know them. I want to know them a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, they're so cool. They're so much fun. Um, you know, we hear it all the time. Kids are resilient, but until you're around my kids, you don't realize how resilient they actually are. Um, but more than that, they're, they're so dang happy. Uh, I was at two of their uh, parent teacher conferences the other day and both of the teachers said, I've never met a happier kid from two different Mm -hmm. kids. I didn't have a conference for my third one. So they may have said the same thing. I don't know, but it was (laughs) such a cool thing for me to hear. Like they're always smiling. They're always happy. They're always kind to people. And I'm like, man, like I, I don't care about their grades. One, I, I could not care less what they bring home on their report card. But when I get those kind of reports, you know, we're doing something right. And when I say we're, this is not me. This is my entire crew, my people, my village, my tribe, Rachel, what she instilled in them. Uh, yeah, Macklin was, Macklin was mama's boy. Um, all Macklin knew, um, for most of his life was Rachel being sick. And so a lot of that meant time on the bathroom floor, feeding her ice chips or, or whatever it may have been. And he just knew what she needed 
And for a four-year-old boy to show up for his mommy that way, um, gosh, man, I, I, I want to love more like Macklin does. It was just, it was just awesome. And, and, you know, so he's, you know, we're next year, I guess two years from now, he'll, he'll have lived more life without his mommy than he did with his mommy. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about Rachel daily all the time. It's constant. And a lot of it is my failures because mommy cooked better than you, or mommy did this better than you. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's uh, like I'm reminded daily, trust me, but but man, he's, um, he's just such a good, happy, stable, fun, funny boy. Um, and, um, Grace, I mean, it has nothing to do with me. It's, it's God is so good and continues to mold that boy into something so special. And Cooper, my middle, my middle girl, she's my beautiful mess. Um, she (laughs) says what's on her mind all the time. (laughs) let you know and is very open about it she is her mommy she's feisty and funny and um dances through life like you wouldn't believe um she got baptized yesterday which was just a a beautiful moment um for all of us um in in true cooper form i think i wrote about it um but we were in the Wendy's drive-thru and she said, daddy, I want a cheeseburger and I want to be baptized. That's all she told me. And so um, she says what's on her mind and that's what was on her mind then. So we got to talk about that and just the way people showed up yesterday for her and her in her moment, um, just declaring to the world that, look, I love Jesus. I'm a sinner. I need help. Help me walk through this with, uh, you know, walk, walk through this uh, journey. And it was just a beautiful moment. And so I know Rachel was super proud of her coop um, yesterday and every day. And then Hadley, you know, Hadley's my oldest and um, had to, she felt like she had to grow up real fast. She felt like she had to be mommy. She felt like she had to take care of daddy. Um, And she's done such a good job with it. But I, I have to remind her all the time that I need her to be a kid. You don't get to be a kid that long. Uh, I appreciate her. She's a rule follower. She's responsible. She um, she cares so deeply for people. She wants nobody to hurt. And she'll do anything she can to make sure that we don't. Um, and, and my biggest prayer for her is, man, just let her be a kid. Because, you know, she's 11 years old now. And she only has a few more years of being a kid. And I just yeah. want her to be able to enjoy those years. But um, she's just a caretaker. And she just wants to make sure all those around her are okay, even if it means she's not. And so um, just three very different personalities, um, all with the best qualities their mommy had. And um, I'm just, man, I'm just so, every day is an adventure and every day is so much fun. And I have, they bring me so much dang joy. Um, And I'm just so, I'm so proud of them. I mean, I held it together for quite a long time. (laughs) And then you just, you describing those kids. Mm Because as a parent, yeah, um, I just, I don't have the words. I just, I know Rachel's still with them, but um, yeah, it's, it's the kids. And so I will pray for them and continue to, and it's just, I think I said this to you in our, in our last episode that I I wish I could have met Rachel. And I think mm-hmm. you, you've even said that, like so many people have said that to you. And, but I feel the way that you talk about her. I, I feel her. And, and I remember you mm-hmm. telling me that, you know, love like Rachel, that's what you would say. And I would write mm-hmm. that down everywhere. And boy, I, I don't know her at all, but I feel like I, I know her a lot. And that's what's really cool. And I mm-hmm. am so appreciative of you 
sharing her story and the kid's story and your story and being vulnerable. And I would love to tell people to go get Just Do by Brandon Janice. You can get it at Amazon and you have your own personal website. Where else can people go get it? Yeah, it's at brandonjanice.com. And Jill, thank you for saying that. Um, you know, it, that's that's the reason the book was written. Like this is, this is the story of us, but it's the story of Rachel and the way she lived and loved and taught. And um, so I, even the last section of the book, I call it the the 39, which was the last 39 nights we spent in the hospital. And I invite you in to being there and, and seeing those, um, those conversations, like you're sitting at the edge of the bed, like I was and getting to, getting to learn from her. And, um, in those final days. And, um, I, I hope it does her justice. That's, that's the reason it was done. Um, and I hope it causes us to, to do. And that's something Rachel always, always said, you know, it's, it's, it's just stop thinking about it. Stop. Sometimes stop praying about it. Just go do it. Just go do it. And, um, you know, show up for people. There's, there's no, with looking for nothing in return, I think is the important, important thing. You're not doing it because, for your intentions. You're doing it for that person. You're doing it for someone else. Um, and um, sometimes you're not going to get the thank you you think you need, or sometimes you're not going to get the hug because they're not able to get out of bed, or sometimes you're not going to get what you wanted out of it. But the thing is you did. And never in your life will you regret uh, showing up and doing. And so um, that's how she lived her whole life. And I hope this book causes us to do a little bit more of that. It is definitely a perspective that everyone needs to witness. And I am just so thankful for you, Brandon. I am going to keep inviting you back and maybe there's going to be a sequel. Just do too. <laughs> Who love, knows? I love yes. I would love to come back. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you. Anytime anyone will, will, will share more of Rachel's story. Um, I'm going to say yes. And, um, and so thank you for allowing me to talk about her. It's, it's my favorite thing to talk about that and being a dad to those three little ones. And so um, I appreciate you and, um, and can't wait to do this again sometime. And as we wrap up this week's conversation, a reminder to take care of you. It is so important. And one way you can do that, monthly memberships at Elemental Aesthetics. See, with the monthly memberships, they offer you a discount that you wouldn't normally get if you just made appointments here and there. But it's also a great reminder to get in every month to take care of you. The membership options, there's all kinds of different services available. It just kind of depends on what you're looking for. If you go to elementalesthetics.com, you can see what's available. But remember, I want you to take care of you. I want you to put yourself first as much as possible this year. Elementalesthetics.com, or you can call or text 314-279-6069. Make sure you mention my name. You're going to get a little swag bag just for doing that. And again, at elementalesthetics.com to learn more about their memberships. And I would like to invite you to check out jilldevine.com. That's where you will find every single episode of the podcast. And you will find some awesome blogs with some great content, whether it's recipes or travel hacks or just things to just unwind. You will find it at jilldevine.com as well as all my social media handles so you know how to connect with me there. And as always, you know what I'm going to say, thank you for your support of two kids and a career.